Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Vicky Olatunden, who is the Executive Director of Chalmers Community Service Center downtown. When you think about helping Guelph's most vulnerable in the core, you think of Chalmers. They've been doing it for decades, and they've continued to do it through good economic times and bad. They did it through the global pandemic, and they continue to do it through the most recent debate about the state of downtown. While the politicians look for policy and funding remedies, the good people at Chalmers and other social service agencies downtown are on the front lines of the issue every day, and they aspire to do more than put a Band-Aid on the problem. So how does the head of one of Guelph's longest-serving social service agencies see the issues of poverty, homelessness, and mental health as they currently stand downtown? That is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. So what do you think about when you hear the words downtown Guelph? Is it the picture of a thriving historic district with lots of shopping, restaurants, and community engagement? Or is it a... Well, a cesspool filled with desperate people panhandling, doing drugs, and sleeping on benches. Is it a mix of the two? Has the pandemic really exacerbated the problem to such a degree that it's now an emergency? For the most part, the answer is yes to all of these questions. It's a complex problem. There are no easy solutions. And that's why it's so hard to get traction on finding any solutions. It's also hard to get traction because of systemic barriers. There's no social services department at the city of Guelph. Provincially mandated social services like Ontario Works, Child Care, Social Housing, they're all handled through the County of Wellington. And that leaves a huge gap for individual service agencies in the downtown to fill. And on top of that, there is no formal centralization either. But there is help, and Chalmers has always offered a welcoming and non-judgmental hand to everyone in the Guelph community that needs one. In 2020 alone... They collected 26,427 pounds of food in donations, and then they spent an additional $127,587 to fill the cupboards of those in need. And that was at the height of the pandemic, when lockdowns were rampant. But while many sectors of the local economy have recovered, many of the people have not. Vickiola Tunden was dropped right in the middle of the COVID crisis when she became the executive director of Chalmers in January 2021. She grew up in England, she went to law school in Nigeria, and then emigrated to Canada where she worked for various social service agencies in Winnipeg, where amongst her accomplishments, she launched a gym and a full eye care clinic for those people affected by homelessness in that city. It's hard to think of someone better qualified to talk about our present situation here in Guelph, so let's talk. Vicky Olatunden joins us on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast to talk about the current state of things downtown and inside Chalmers, why we need to own the problem before we solve it, and why we also need to keep in mind that the people helped by Chalmers are all loved by somebody. We will also talk about the current needs downtown, how Chalmers is working to address those needs, and the type of assistance that they're looking for in the form of donations and volunteer efforts. And finally, we will talk about the differences between Winnipeg and Guelph in assisting the homeless, the assistance that service organizations are looking for right now from the government, and why we need to address people's needs in terms of economic equity before it gets to the point of crisis. So I caught up with Vicky Olatunden last week via Zoom. Okay, so Vicky Olatunden, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. 
I guess, first of all, just, you know, how are things going down at Chalmers lately? Uh, you know, how is how's I mean, how are you feeling about the mission? How's the staff feeling about the mission? How are the clients feeling? Well, things are, things are well at Chalmers, but I, I will say that the we feel the same as everyone else out there. We feel the impact of inflation. The goods that we want to buy obviously are more expensive. We provide culturally sensitive foods, and so those foods are specifically uh, higher in cost. And so, yeah, we are feeling that pinch, and with the increase in the amount of guests that we serve, yes. So are the staff passionate? Very much so. Do we feel the necessary frustrations of everyone else needing to buy more but unable to? Uh, yeah, we have to kind of pick and choose now. So yes. I guess maybe for people who maybe aren't aware, um, how is Chalmers different from, say, I mean, Hope House or the Food Bank in terms of, you know, how you offer the services, what services you offer, you know, what makes Chalmers Chalmers, I guess? <laughs> well, I have to say this, kudos to all the others, and we are all friends. Every one of us are because we serve uh, a similar population. Chalmers is Chalmers because we require no um, barriers. So we don't have a huge, we don't need your social insurance number and the ID and all of that. We don't need all of that. It's barrier free in terms of our offering. And it has a specific, specific bent to culturally sensitive foods because a lot of the guests that we serve uh, are refugees or newcomers to Canada and so or have other, other ethnicities and so of course we are partial to those foods albeit that we serve everyone uh, but we have we, we serve specifically culturally sensitive foods and spices and oils and things to allow uh, that population to be able to cook healthily mm -hmm. yeah, yeah but, but the biggest thing about us is we, we do it with dignity to all peoples and um, we have no barriers. There's no barriers. You come in, hello, hi, how's your name? What do you need? Mm -hmm. And I want to, you know, sort of start off talking about the issues this way. And I'm sure some of the stuff that we're seeing in the local media hasn't escaped your attention either. But there does seem to be kind of a change in the way we're talking about people in need, um, especially in the downtown core, um, whether that's people who need housing, people who need assistance with the, their use of substances, their reliance on substances or their mental health issues. I'm curious, first of all, does that stuff get down to the level of the clients? Like, are they aware of sort of the, the changing, the changing voice of the community when people are talking about them? Like, are, are they feeling a difference in, in sort of how they're being viewed? I think we all are. And they are too. I think that um, the tolerance levels, for some reason, as soon as as COVID is is moving and is shifting, we're feeling that wave of some of the wave of intolerance. Uh, prior to, when when COVID was in, everybody was, of course, very much sympathetic to what was going on because they were feeling the pinch in their various homes also. And so, of course, how much more those on the streets? Now COVID is lifting. People are getting better, getting back to the life they kind of knew. And for some reason, it's just a level of in, the level of intolerance is higher. So now um, the homeless, the hungry are a bother to many and we cannot hide them away. And people are wanting them to move out of this uh, the core area, pushing them somewhere else. And there isn't anywhere else for them to go. So that is what I'm finding. And I'm thinking if 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 we that serve them can feel it, how much more they Right. I know the public uh, the public have expressed how they feel to them. And so, of course, there's just that level of 
the level of intolerance is high, even though we generally have a compassionate community, there are those who have expressed um, how they feel regarding the homeless and the hungry and those who are less fortunate. I mean, it is interesting because it is phrased in sort of the the word like words of compassion, but it's sort of and I've seen this in sort of some of the city council delegations that have come up in recent weeks. It starts off with these words of compassion and understanding and then segues into, but something needs to be done like full stop as in, I don't know. And, and people will, people will sort of stop short of saying we need to round up the homeless or, or things like that. But I, I feel like sort of when I'm listening to people, that's definitely in their head as they're, talking about it because it, it feels like they're trying not to talk about it well the thing is i mean let's call let's call it what it is we have homeless people those experiencing addiction those experiencing challenges in their mental health and many of them on the streets there is no other way to put it this is our community and we need to own it and the thing about it is this we that we work with them day in day out we understand it is a t no one, no one in their right mind will choose to live on the streets of Guelph. Mm. Nobody, nobody chooses that for themselves. It is situations and circumstances that have brought them to that space. And so I think that the hand of compassion needs to be extended to them, but also for us to realize that it was, we're barely a few circumstances away ourselves. You hit, a you hit some bad luck, loss of a job, loss of a loved one. Uh, illness, mental illness, addiction, and you are right there too. So just because things are getting better as, as far as COVID is concerned, doesn't mean that our level of compassion should leave. Mm -hmm. There is nowhere for a if you do not provide housing, permanent affordable housing, then they won't be permanently rehoused. Right. We can on a temporary level. If we do not provide services where uh, their addictions are being taken care of, then they will remain addictive. And it isn't, it's not a simple issue. It's not as simple as here, here's housing, here you go, bye. It doesn't work like that. Not when you are struggling with mental illness, FASD, all, all sorts of things. And so it's not as clean cut as, oh, we've just built this housing. There you go, goodbye. Now the air, but now our gorgeous downtown area is sanitized and clean and void of homeless. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. The situation is complex. And so we have to come at it with complex solutions and multi-solutions also, because it's not a case of, you know, one band-aid fits all. It doesn't work like that either. I was it's thinking... A progressive solution from all of us. Yeah. Right. And I was, I was thinking about this as we were talking the other day. You know, there are so many people like, well, we have shelter beds. And I, I wonder how many people out there kind of understand how the shelter system works. You get 28 days where you get someplace to essentially sleep, not do much else, you know, for, you know, 10, 12 hours, however long the, the shelter is open, but you get that for 28 days. And then you're kind of back out on the street for probably another several months before you be then thus become eligible for another 28 days in the system. And it's like, that's, that's a hard way to live to, you know, to have that countdown hanging over your head that maybe you have a bed for 28 days. And then at the end of 28 days, you know, you, you still don't, you still don't have a home I, in a way I I've, I've always considered that more anxiety inducing than living rough that Absolutely. you, that you live with that pendulum doom over your head. Well, the thing is, I mean, we roughly have about 
270-ish homeless people. We do not have 270 shelter right. beds. We just don't. Yeah. We don't. In fact, we don't even have 100, to be honest with you. And so, I mean, like they are, as you, as you said, it's just an act swinging over your head. You get, <laughs> unfortunately, knowing that you're going to be, knowing that you're going to be homeless again. So if you like, you've got some very temp, very temporary housing, as it were, not even housing, just a bed to, to lay on. And then you're going to be homeless again, mm-hmm. going to be in the park, in a car on the street. And to be honest with you, it's not, it's not something that anybody would choose. It's a horrible way to live. And for many, they don't feel they have a choice. So we really need to um, come to the table. And I'm glad that there are these, the task force are, task forces are working, uh, albeit that it's still, it's temporary housing nonetheless, but things are being done in, co- in combination with the United Way and the, the mayor's task force. But it's also the responsibility of us as a community because government can't do it all. Charitable organizations cannot do it all. It literally is the responsibility of the community. Don't they say that it takes a village? Well, this is us. We are the village. And these are our neighbors on the street. I wonder, too, um, I was talking to, not to humble brag, I was talking to the mayor about this the other day, but um, there is a kind of, I I sense a lack of coordination here, especially in Guelph in particular, where we have a city government, but the city government doesn't oversee the administration of social services here. That's left to the county. Yeah. Um, there's not necessarily a a real relationship between the city and the county, although the mayor does sit on the social services committee. I mean, leaving that aside, though, you have Chalmers, you have Hope House, you have Guelph Food Bank, you have the city well, of Guelph, the mission. Well, the mission. Yeah. yeah, and like all all the churches in the downtown area to some extent have like food insecurity programs or other charitable endeavors. Are we missing? Like, uh, I mean, granted everybody gets along and you talked about having great relationships with, you know, your partners and delivering these services, but um, is there a formal component that you, that might be necessary to help like coordinate all these efforts? I, I think that in our, in our bid to fix the problem, we have many of us have come together under a number of umbrellas, many of us have, and we're sharing services and sharing information together. So I think that in our bid to face the problem, we are all coming together um, under, under, under a number of committees. Or, I mean, I'm in groups with a number of other nonprofits coming together. I'll give an example of the United Way. A number of us have come together under that umbrella as well to provide a unified front. But ha- even in that, I have to say that to avoid... Um, to avoid people falling through the cracks is where we have a lot of other smaller services because of course the homeless also are not under one umbrella the mm-hmm. homeless as well are not in one space they're not in one house right. the homeless are all over the city and so of course where the need is oftentimes there's some care there so if there's someone in in, in, in you know in the west we have Chalmers West, we have some of the other charities in that space if they're in the south and, and likewise and so we are coming together under, a, under one umbrella to look at a concerted effort. However, until we're fully unified, there will be fragmented services looking after those who they can take care of where they are. Mm-hmm. Because there is sort of, what you're saying is there is sort of a need for that. And the, you know, having somebody at the city who could sort of like coordinate with all those services, like they get a call that there's an some issue, um, perhaps that's not like, something uh, a social services 
at, through the county can address. Maybe that's something Chalmers can address. But there does, I, I guess what I'm wondering is like, maybe we need like some sort of traffic cop who can sort of direct people, right? Um, like well, you're going the wrong way. You need to go this way, kind of. Well, the thing is, I mean, so far, I mean, if one of us gets, gets if one of us is involved with um, a guest that is homeless and has other services, we are reaching out to one another. Okay. Saying, okay, fine. We'll give you food for this, but for clothing you need here and for housing you need here, for a bed you need this. So we all coordinate with one another in terms of how we serve this guest. So, of course, I mean, like if it's food and immediate, that will be us. If they need an immediate meal, that will be this, the, you know, the mission. There's so many other, um, we, we, even, even though we're not in, like I say, one organization, we're all linked. And, of course, we will refer accordingly. So, of course, it won't be case of come to me and out you go in the street. We will refer on to make sure they get care here, care there, depending, of course, on what the need might be. Okay. In looking at, I guess, the broader issues that are sort of driving all this, and, and you've, you know, you've been involved in, you know, advocating uh, for, you know, against poverty for the people who aren't homeless for, for years and you just so people know who may not know you uh come to guelph by way of winnipeg which is where you've you've done a lot of this work too yes i i I do want to address that the differences in a sec but just from from your point of view is are are the issues that are sort of driving homelessness and and addictions and, and these issues are they getting worse or are we kind of more hyper aware of it now i think it's a combination of the two that would be fair. I think that at the end of the day, we're becoming, we, we've begun to realize more so what's going on. Also, because we've kind of been through our own trauma as, mm. a, as, as, as a world, having gone through COVID. Can you imagine being COVID, COVID being somebody's every day for the last 10 years? Mm. Now we realize, oh my goodness. Yeah, there, there are issues out there, but of course there are other circumstances driving that. So it's a combination of the two, to be honest, to be fair. Okay. Well, then let's talk about the difference between Winnipeg and, and Guelph. Um, I mean, granted, Winnipeg is is a, a larger city. It's a, it's a capital city. Um, colder climate in, in the wintertime, oh. too. Oh. Um, so, I, I mean, in terms of the culture, uh, the cultural shift uh, coming to Guelph from Winnipeg, I mean, what are what, what have been sort of the differences you've encountered? Well, for one, I, I can't, I, the weather's a big one for, for us. Of course, I mean, we... In Winnipeg, if, if we leave the homeless outside in the cold, we're burying people. We're picking up a dead body the next day. So that's, there's, a, there's a sense of urgency uh, in Manitoba when it comes to those who are experiencing homelessness or who are less fortunate. And so, of course, for myself, um, the, weather is not, the weather is not as difficult here. So, of course, I don't see that there is a level of urgency. But, of course, without death knocking on the if death is knocking on the door, the sense of urgency will be higher. I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are a lot more homeless people in Manitoba, in Winnipeg than they are in Guelph. That we can put a number on it. That we've got a number to, to work with, two hundred and seventy or thereabouts, tells me that it's a solvable problem. Right. It's, if we have a hand on the numbers, we have we can have a hand on the solution. Where you have a situation where we're not even sure of how many there are uh, in Manitoba, there obviously there's a, there's a rough, I'd say about seventeen thousand of the hidden homeless, and a lot of the homeless are hidden. So, of course, the scale of the problem is very different. So I think that what we have in Guelph is containable. It's literally fixable, I think. The number isn't, isn't off the scale. It's a large number, nonetheless. I mean, one person being homeless to me is, is, is lots. 
let right. alone 270. But when you're talking about 17,000, of course, the scale is extremely different. But the sense of urgency where death is knocking on the door if they're not taken care of is, is what drives many of the solutions in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is there any lessons you sort of brought to Guelph? Things that, you know, are kind of, I guess, muscle memory in terms of, of tackling these issues that you, you, you know, you put into practice in Winnipeg that you arrive in Guelph and you're like, why don't we do that here? I'll say this, that friendly Manitoba, <laughs> that's what we're known for. Um, I, there's a sense of compassion that is needed mm. because at the end of the day, these are people. And, the, and, and I think in, in Manitoba, the, we, we refer to the homeless and those who are, who are less fortunate as our family on the street. Mm. It's not they, them, you know, whoever. It's our family. These are our neighbors that are on the street. And if we begin to recognize those who are facing those challenges as family or as uh, members of our community, then the way we respond will be very different. I think mm. that um, that's someone's mom. It's someone's dad, someone's brother, someone's sister, someone's child that is on the street. It could very well be one of our own. And if we view it that way, then our, our desire to fix the, to the problem is personal. It's not kind of government or, or, or a nonprofit organization, or I'll give my can of beans and that be my help to the situation, or I'll throw a few dollars in the cup and that's my, 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 you know, my, my solution to it. It's all of us. If we made a concerted effort as an entire community, so those in authority, those in government, those in nonprofit, and the community itself, it will literally be a war that homelessness will not win if we all come together. The thing is, as you were saying, there's fragmented help, but the community itself needs to stand up. I can tell you this, when COVID came, we as a community stood up. Right. Stood up to this as a community. We were not willing to lose and lose our kids or our elderly, even though uh, it was a fight at one point that we thought that we were losing, but we didn't give up. We kept fighting. And guess what? We're still here. If we as a community would come together with that level, you know, with a level of compassion and we fight together, they say when you're fighting a common enemy, common enemy, you become friends. Right. It's not a case of, oh, what did you do? What didn't you do? What can we do as a community? We all come together, the churches, the nonprofits, the government, all of us on the same side, then homelessness will not win. We mm-hmm. will fight this and, 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 and look after our community. Not everything is pen and paper. Not everything is that. Some, it literally is us coming together, deciding that, you know what, we need to fix this as a community, all of us, not just leave it to government or leave it to whichever authority or leave it to the county or leave it to uh, whatever organization. It's that fine. Can we all come together on a concerted front, on a united front? Mm. This is something we don't want in our city. And if all of us come together, everyone come together and stop fighting because they say when two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. And that's what's happening. <laughs> Everyone's kind of fighting or jostling for space or whatever it is. And so people are falling through the cracks. Right. We, we, we will have, unfortunately, people will die on our hands in the middle of this you know, this kind of fight, this kind of apathy towards this very important issue. We will have dead people on our hands if we don't stand up together. And that's what I'm saying for me. I think one of the things I brought from Manitoba for me is, is the culture of care. It's the culture of friendliness, the culture of this is my neighbor. Right. This is my neighbor. If that person, that's one of my, that's one of my, that's a family, community family member. 
can't let them die. There is something that we can do. And so that's kind of where I think it's different. It doesn't mean that Guelph whites aren't amazing. They absolutely are. But I'm just saying that we need to, the level of compassion, personal and professional, needs to rise. And we need to come to the table together and we need to fight this thing. And if we do, homelessness will not win. It's us, all of us, versus homelessness. That way it won't win. It does concern me, though, and I'm sure it, would con- it, it concerns you, too. And I have noted that there are a lot of business owners in the downtown area who it almost feels like they're because there are people who are sort of like taking pictures of like when they see a fight happening in front of Royal City Mission or they see somebody, yeah. you know, passed out in the square. Like yeah. we're kind of like we're documenting this and to an extent it's to draw attention to the problem. But on alternatively too, I, I, I do feel like and I, and I wonder if you feel this, too, if we're not sort of draining some of that compassion by treating this as like. Any disaster we would take pictures of. Um, you you know, we're kind of really othering people by, by documenting this in such a clinical way. If I can say this life, life, everyday life is messy. Yeah. Every day on a normal day, life is messy. This is a messy problem. It's a problem that doesn't smell very nice. It doesn't look very nice either. And I think that should we document it? Yes. But I think that people, you know, they have their lovely business at business fronts and they, you know, they're, they're running a business, no doubt. Uh, and the homeless or, or those that's fortunate are not as pretty. Mm. They don't look great on the streets in front of their business. And I get that. But I'm saying that this is not just an issue. This, these are people. Yeah. Yeah, these are people. And no doubt, should we document the issue? We should. But things at the end of the day, um, it's, it's a bother and it's a problem. And it's not going to go away if we don't all come together and take care of it. It's not going to go away. It won't go away. And the thing is, when you think about it, if you consider uh, driving them away to a space that we think is away from town, where? I'm asking where? Yeah. Where do we hide them away? Where do we throw them? And that's something that we should never do as a community and as a society. Because these, this is our family on the street. And is it going to take a while to fix the problem? Yeah. Do we have a simple solution? No. But if we, if we decide that, you know, oh, goodness gracious, I'm taking pictures and I'm posting online and showing how disgusting and how distressing this is. Tell me, how is that going to fix anything? Because if it, if it would have fixed something, it should have done it by now, don't you think? I wonder, too, though. And I'm, I've, I've had like sort of one eye on the the encampment in Kitchener and and sort of the the issues around that and the city of Kitchener is trying to or I, it's the region. One of the city governments is trying to evict them. And I think about, you know, here in Guelph, seeing people, you know, sleeping on benches downtown and things for, for the longest time, people living rough in our community have been hidden away, as you say, they you know, if you wanted to find the the encampments you had to go down trails behind buildings behind plazas They're, they've always been there but when you're driving up and down gordon street or Wyndham or whatever you don't see them mm-hmm. now we're seeing them yeah and and that that's that seems to have be where the culture shock is we now have to see the homeless when we go downtown as opposed to you know knowing that they're there just beyond that plaza down the trail next to the river well, you know what, if you ask me, that's a good thing. Because mm. then at least we can fix it. Mm. When they're, when they're on, on a normal day, 
a homeless person will tell me that they feel invisible because people look past them like they're not there. Well, now they're here. Now we can see them. And I think that's a good thing because they don't die because they won't die away on the trails. We'll actually see them and we can fix a problem that we can see. And I'm actually quite glad that um, it's becoming a visible problem for us to fix because then we can't ignore it. And many organizations, can I say, are trying to help many organizations. And I applaud the mayor for the task forces. I applaud the mayor for action. And that's what it is. It's, 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 it's action now. There is a problem. We get it. Now we all have to act. Everyone has to. And right. it's a, it is a concerted effort. I, um, yeah, just, just, just think about it. I mean, there's, 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 a, there's an event that happened in Manitoba that I'm not, I'm, I think happens here also. CEOs. Uh, we, we had a CEO uh, event where we, we would sleep on rooftops or sleep oh, yeah. on homeless. And uh, it was quite, it was something to experience. And believe me, after experiencing that a couple of times, it changed the way I saw the homeless and the things they had to endure. And we began to look for different solutions in Manitoba at that point in time because it was putting ourselves in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I, I challenge anyone, I challenge anyone to be homeless for two days in Guelph and tell me that they won't change. I challenge anyone out there to dress up and to be homeless for two days in our city and see if they won't change the way they view things. See if they even survive, first of all. And two, at the end of the day, see if they see things differently after that. And then you know, our, our sense of empathy. Will, right. will rise. Where do you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? <laughs> try, try daytime. In the yeah. daytime. Where do you go? Right. I challenge anyone. It's called, yeah, I remember it's called the CEO sleep out. The second time I did it, I became, I was ill and I was only out there. I was out there for less. I was out there for less than eight hours. Wow. The the cold in Winnipeg outside. uh, Yeah. I slept in a tent in the park and I had shelter. I had some cover on a cardboard box and I, and I was within, it was barely a few days later. I, I was, I was ill. And so that's someone's every day. So yeah. I challenge anybody. I challenge anyone here yeah, to find a bathroom, to find buns, find clothing, find something to eat, find somewhere warm, just for two days, and see if you won't change. Or having to travel everywhere with all your possessions, or carry everything. Most you you have to throw some things away. Yeah, you cannot carry them. And then if they get wet, how do they get dry? Yeah. Then how do you change, and where do you take a shower? Yeah. And where do you go to the bathroom? Who will allow you to use their restaurant bathroom if you aren't a paying customer? That's right. So then, you, so, 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 yeah, I, I challenge anyone to do it. Challenge anybody. No money in your pocket. Go out there and be homeless for two days and tell me, how, 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 how was it for you? Because believe me, no one, no one chooses this. No one chooses this. And so um, it's our duty and our, and our responsibility as a community to fight and help. Because to be honest with you, that's someone's child, someone's daughter, someone's mom, someone's dad experiencing mental illness, addiction, homelessness. There are neighbors on the street. Mm-hmm. It just strikes me like the last couple of minutes talking about like going down the checklist of, of you know, of, of living life on the street. Just like how much does do we like the average people who are housed, fed, clothed? understand the issues facing people who are living with homelessness and we read it in the paper we read it in the paper and right we, and we think we understand 
Right. And, and some people's responses is kind of, oh, just go get a job. Right. You don't live anywhere. How can you get a job if you don't live anywhere? How can you receive any ident- identification? How, there's not, it, it all starts from where you live. Right. You have to be somewhere get to get to get ID to get a, a job. Those sorts of things. It's not as easy as clean cut as it may sound. And so, like I say, anyone willing to take up the challenge, do it. Let's go. Because I can promise you that it's not an easy existence. Um, it's a struggle from day to day to day to day. And, and many struggle just to survive, just to breathe. Right. In, in terms of the, the clients you have at Chalmers, you yeah. know, what is it you want people to understand about the people um, you talk to every day, the people who come to Chalmers for help? You know, what... What what if people you know say to you, Vicky, tell me about your clients. Sixty percent of the clients that come to us are working, mm-hmm. you know, working Canadians, and then making a contribution. Uh, we've recently seen in the paper that just a one bedroom apartment is almost two thousand dollars. Yep, and many people are not earning a living wage, so they're trying to make ends meet, paying their rent, and trying to make ends meet otherwise. Those that come, the guests that come to Chalmers are first of all people. And they are hardworking Canadians that are making a contribution. And as such, um, they should be treated accordingly, like regular Canadians, like everybody else. Um, there are regular families now using food banks. And I'm not sure if you are aware that for every grocery store in Canada, there are four, four food organizations. Is that right? There are 64,000 of us in the country. I was not aware of that statistic. That is remarkable. Yes. And so as a result, regular families are approaching food banks because that's the only way they can actually survive. Many of them are not earning enough because of the rate at which rent is going up. And so uh, the guests that come to Charms are amazing and are resourceful. And I applaud many of them who are working, many of them who are trying, many of them who are, you know, making things better by not staying at home and doing that. They're working. They're just saying they need some help at this time. And it's not just a handout, it's a hand up. And I applaud every single guest that comes to our doors. And we will always have our doors open to them, always. It makes me think, though, by the time people get to you or get to Hope House, it's kind of too late. Like, you know, if, if and I'm not doubting you by any stretch by saying if, but if a lot of the people coming to you are people with jobs mm-hmm. and they still have to go to... A, you know, a, a nonprofit or a charity organization to get groceries. Mm-hmm. How much of this is a problem for you and, and Jaya at Hope House and everybody who, who's running these, like these nonprofits to solve? It, it really seems like it shouldn't get that far. If you have a job, you should be able to feed yourself and clothe yourself and house yourself. And that seems like a bigger societal failure than is within the ability for Vicky to solve, <laughs> right? Well, well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, there's the issue of the living wage. Yeah. Which is beyond the parameters of Chalmers. There's the issue of the living wage. Um, there's the issue of so many things of, of credentialing, of, of people who come from other countries who are well-educated but cannot be credentialed. So basically, I ha- you have doctors and nurses in daycares as janitors, as taxi drivers, those sorts of things. Um, the language barrier for many. There are so many issues that are outside the ambit of, of our organization that impact us nonetheless. And so, of course, I mean, like they're working. 
and maybe not not getting enough hours now because of COVID. So many different right. things. And and whose fault was COVID? Like it, it hits us all, and so of course they're feeling the impacts also. And so it's a case of recovery. And um, I applaud them for being resourceful enough to use a food bank to feed their families, even though some of them are working. Right. And not getting enough hours is no sin. They didn't do anything wrong. It's just the way things are at the moment, but they are working and they're resourceful. And if it takes going to a food bank to make the difference, then that's exactly what they're going to do. Many of them, proud fathers, and I applaud them every single day that I see them. Uh, they didn't decide to stay home and do nothing about it. They chose to work and thought if we need some help from a food bank right now, then that's what we'll do. And then they go home and face rising rent. You know? So the question for many is, do we pay rent or do we eat? Yeah. You're, 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 you're sort of tackling two things there. The first is um, you kind of have to be proactive. Being homelessness is, is, is not laziness. You have to be proactive. <laughs> sort of when you're homeless. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have, you have to be resourceful. Right. And, resourceful. Yeah. And and the other thing is, it's it's like putting your finger you're putting your finger in the hole and damn then another hole opens up because you may be able to get a meal today. Yeah. But you may not be able to get a meal tomorrow, and then somebody raises your rent, and you may have been able to afford your rent, but now you can't because you know your raise doesn't match the the cost of living and and. So it's, it, it really, you know, when you kind of talk all this out, it, it really kind of paints a picture of just how difficult it is to sort of solve these problems. You know, it, it is, but, I, but I, I, I believe this, that it's one, it's one day at a time, one solution at a time. Um, it's not to the point where we cannot solve. Yes, we can. It's a case of gathering resources together with the resources that we do have and to target our responses and to target the responses that we have for those who are in need. Um, our community will always have those that are in need. Every community will. And so as a, as, as a, as a com that the community at large just needs to do its best to look after, to look after its own. Well, I, I did want to give us some time at the end to talk about uh, your need and uh, the need of the Chalmers organization in terms of uh, donations, in terms of maybe people-powered help, uh, volunteers. You yes. know, wh what 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 kind of help are you looking for right now? Well, you know what? Uh, the, as everyone knows, the price of food is uh, the price of food has gone through the roof. We've uh, noticed. Course, yes, uh, <laughs> donations donations of non perishable non perishable goods will always be good. Uh, for us as an organization, the need for hygiene products is also is also high. If you deal with food insecurity, pre period poverty is not too far behind. So, of course, um, hygiene products is, is, is one of the big items on our list. And when we think about food at Chalmers, it's not just food that goes into your mouth. How about diapers? We need diapers, soap, uh, toothbrushes, toothpaste. Those are things that um, we all, they, those are grocery supplies that we provide as well. And we also provide pet food for those families that have pets because, of course, they also need to eat. Right. So we're asking for, you know, non-perishable foods, uh, pastas, canned, canned goods, beans, you know, canned tomatoes. Those are the kind of things that our guests uh, will look forward to having. We provide fresh produce, mostly predominantly fresh food to those uh, who need it because, of course, we want them to have a nutritious basket, not just a box of food to take out. We're giving nutritious food most of it fresh. We're also looking for grocery supplies. So of course the soap and the toothpaste and the razors and those sorts of things to look after families and diapers. 
at the moment we're giving away uh, 10 diapers at a time. If anyone, if anyone out there has had children, you know, that's a day's worth. For yeah. some kids, it's a day's worth. Yeah. So, of course, we need, we need diapers and we need hygiene products too. I don't want to, I, I want to be able to give a, a, a woman a packet of hygiene products rather than issuing four maxi pads. That is barely a day for some women. And so, of course, um, those are things that are real needs every day. We want to be able to look after our community the best way we can. And so I urge you to be compassionate. I urge you not to look in the back of your cupboard for things that you don't want and then donate those. I'm asking you when you go shopping, when you go grocery shopping, to please consider those who are less fortunate. And I can promise you that we will make excellent use of any donation that comes to our door to take care of our neighbors and and families that are less fortunate than the rest of us. And if you're listening to this podcast, I can promise you, you are privileged. You are. You are privileged in one shape or form. And I want to say thank you to those of you who are currently helping already because you are making a great a great difference in the lives of so many. But for those of you who haven't yet gotten onto, onto that level, I urge you to please consider uh, consider helping in that, in that way. Donations of cash are helpful. And of course, if you have time, we're always, always looking for those who are willing to help and volunteer their time to look after our community. That's uh, perfect. And uh, j- just to reinforce what you said, if, if you are listening to this, you are privileged. They may not always feel like it, but as, as you noted at, at the beginning of, of, of our talk here, it can always get worse. And that should be in the back of our heads every day. Yeah. Thank you so very much for having me. And I'm looking forward. To, I'm hopeful. As I'm leaving you, I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm hopeful that we can make a brighter day as we get together and we'll put our hands together and fight this. We will do well. And there is a brighter day. Yeah. You know, Vicki, I'm hopeful too. And one of the things I find very helpful about this podcast um, is when I'm, I'm thinking about these big issues and sometimes they're so big to, they're, they're just, it just feels too big to wrap your head around uh, talking to somebody like you who, who does the work that you do every day is um is immensely reassuring in terms of that this is this is a human problem we are humans we can Absolutely. solve human problems yeah can i throw in just before i go that the families and the guests that we serve are very 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 appreciative i see it every day they're very they're very appreciative there's no sense of entitlement it's a case of thank you so very much to those who've, who've donated to those who you know come by to help there is that huge sense of appreciation so i want you to know uh, from our guests to you, thank you. People just want to be seen, and uh, I think that's that's very true. And we we appreciate all your your good works, Vicky, uh, Vicky Olatunde. Thank you so much for all your time today. Thank you very much for having me. And once again, that was Vicky Olatunde. If you want to learn more about all the services offered by Chalmers and how you can help out, you can go to their website at ChalmersCenter.ca. And you can also look them up at Chalmers Center on both Facebook and Twitter. If you have donations for Chalmers and you want to know when and how to drop them off, get in touch with them at 519-822-8778. To get directions, that's 519-822-8778. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, and to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. 
You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Politico Guelph on Facebook and at Guelph Politico on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, and you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And for all the latest local political news, you can check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we'll have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we'll see you next time.